Spring Announcements, Global Series of Magic, and Battle Bond. Unearthed Arcana, Mordenkainen's Tone of Foes, and Uses Hook. Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective, and Escapology. All this and more on this episode of YSNPG. Welcome to episode 28 of You Shall Not Pass Go. We are your hosts, Dave and Jengis. And we are hosted on GeekAid.com. What's your geek? Starting off with magic, we have the Spring Announcement Day. That's right. Happy and spring, ladies and gentlemen. Magic a, dumped a bunch of crap on you. What an announcement it was. Was it, though? What, did we not call this? <laughs> we kind of did, but jokingly, because we were like, they wouldn't really do this again, would they? And, and then they then did. they did. They did. <laughs> um, so Spring Announcement Day came, and... The big announcement is surprise. I mean, it really wasn't like it's not really it's not it's a mini announcement. It's really. a mini announcement. It's literally just them saying surprise. We're going back to Ravnica again. <laughs> That's right, the third time we haven't been back to Alara or nope. um, Kamigawa, Kamigawa <laughs> or any of the Shadow, cool planes. Like, you know, Lorwyn. Yeah, <laughs> but we're going back to Ravnica for a third time. For story reasons. Because that's where the Nickel Bowl of Showdown's gotta go down <laughs> on the Ravnica. Showdown and the Motown. Yeah, right. Motown. And the two sets that they're supposedly gearing up for are called Guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica Allegiance, which is just their new way of saying... The Oath of the Gatewatch, part two. <laughs> it seems um, like he, um, both sets are going to feature... Um, dual colors, just like yeah, all the other Ravnica sets. Pretty much, but it's gonna, instead of it being all in one, they split them up, five and five. Well, I mean, it's usually that way, but yeah. it's it, the five and five, it's not ally-enemy. That's yeah. the difference. We have in Guilds, which is the first set, it's going to be Selesnya, Boros, uh, Golgari, is it in Demir... And then in Ravnica Allegiance... It's going to be Azorius, Rakdos, Gruul, Simic, and Orzov. Yep. In the penultimate moment of the Gatewatch's story. That's a direct (laughs) quote. Um, Penultimate. Penultimate. Which means it's not over yet. No. Which means it's not going to end there. We still have to deal with the Gatewatch. (laughs) Um, Listen, I'd like to be excited. And I think the only thing I'm really excited for, if I had to say anything... Would be more Shocklands. I could always use more Shocklands. I mean, and every time a Ravnica comes out, they they give us more Shocklands. So that's nice. That is nice. Um, you know, uh, I mean, they're going to be full sets. You know, they're they're going to be. Uh, you know, they're they're obviously going to be focusing a lot on the, the guilds again. The guilds are back. You know, like yep. they even say like they're going to. They're going to provide those guild kits that let you, you know, pick your favorite guild and they come with a pre-constructed deck because of it, yeah. which is nice. Um, I'm Listen, let's just let's just call it like it is. <laughs> We're both less than infused about this. <laughs> like, it's not... It's good, and it's magic, and... And, I mean, we're going to get plenty of, like, legendaries. And I'm and sure there'll be something we both want and fun, we like. Fun commander. I mean, I love... You know I love me some gruel. Right. And like... <laughs> but just give us some... I wanted something new or yeah. something... Or go back to a plane that we really haven't visited in a long time. Like, yeah. Kamigawa would be amazing. I don't think they're ever going to go back to Kamigawa, but Kamigawa would be amazing. Kamigawa would be great. Um, you know... I mean, they, they, we, we went back to Dominaria, which was great. Yeah. You know? I... I my my belief is that well one they're doing this because of story because they're like well you yeah know, th- that's where we have to do it um 
Because there's only one dragon who could stand up to Nicol Bolas, and that's Niv Mizzy, <laughs> Draco Genius. Um, two, because MTG Arena doesn't have a Ravnica ish set, so they want to put like a they want to put that into MTG Arena because God knows they probably won't be going backwards right anytime soon. So like it kind of sets like that. You want your Shocklands? Here they are, yeah, MTG Arena. Pretty much. Like, yeah. it, it makes MTG Arena more diverse, I guess. In a way. I would have preferred, you know, if I was going to go back to a place, I'm, for story reasons, instead of saying that battle has to happen on Ravnica, in my mind, I would have been like Lorwyn. Mm-hmm. That's where I think they should have brought the battle back to. Because that harkens back to the first Planeswalker cards. The first time we were introduced to Planeswalker typed cards, like the way that they are now was Lorwyn. Yeah. And it would have been real cool to just see that, like, go back to the beginning. And I'm sure they could have made it work story-wise somehow. Mm -hmm. I, like, get that. You know what I mean? Hell, maybe Garuk will get uncursed and become (laughs) fully green again. It's never going to (laughs) happen. But, yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, For sure. uh, We'll keep you updated as we go along. This isn't just like it's a small announcement. It's a small review because all we have is what we told you. Just... They're focusing on guilds yeah. and Ravnica's returning. Yeah, I mean, before um, that, we'll have a lot of interesting things at least because we're going to have Corset Twenty M M Nineteen. Yeah, which we've already seen. Well, like, I mean, if you want to go in order, Battle Bond releases. I mean, next week. Yeah, and we're going to talk, we're, and we're going to talk about it in a moment. <laughs> um, um, but and then, then Signature Spellbook Chase. That's true. Comes out the week after that. With those those lovely, lovely looking oh, cards. beautiful cards, which we already <laughs> talked about. Um, and then after that, is Corset the, 19. Oh, no, before that, the Global Series. Oh, Global card, Series, which, which we're, we're also, also going to talk about. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> then Corset 19. <laughs> then Commander. Yep. Commander, which, I mean, you know, Jengis and I are always like, you know, before, a bit. Before, <laughs> the, before the summer's over, too, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and then finally, we'll be going back to yeah. Ravnica. Um, so, speaking of the two things we're talking about, let's, let's start with go, Global Series. Let's because, go with that one. Yeah, you know, it's the smaller of, of, of what we have right now. It's true. Um, a taste, really. Yeah, it's, but you know what? An interesting taste. So, the Global <clears> Series <throat> is this. Um, they wanted to acknowledge the fact that the Magic brand isn't just a... U.S. brand, or it like is a, a Euro, or like a Western brand. So right, it is a it is a is a worldwide brand. It's huge in China, huge in Japan. So they're starting this global series, and they're starting using uh, using China. and the, And the idea is they're going to pick they're going to pick a country where magic is played, and they're going to uh, give planeswalkers and cards that showcase the beauty of the culture of that area. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Return us to Kamigawa for Japan. <clears throat> um, anyway. Uh, and what they have right now is they've given us a, a small look at their first global series, which is going to focus on the uh, Chinese culture and the two planeswalkers that are heading up the these decks, which will not be standard legal here, but will apparently be standard legal in China, um, are Jiang Yanggu or Yanju possibly mm-hmm. um, and Mu Yanglin, um, a full green and full blue planeswalker. Now the full green Jiang, he is a one green and four colorless to cast. Comes in with four loyalty. His plus one ability is target creature gets plus two plus two until end of turn. His minus one ability is if you do that's what we call technology fail people um if you don't control a creature named mawu 
uh, create a legendary 3-3 green hound creature token named Mau. And in his picture, there's this cute little dog in the background. And then his minus five is until end of turn, target creature gains trample and gets plus X plus X, where X is the number of lands you control. So that's a nice finisher there. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to tell us about Mu Yang Ling? Sure. Um, her casting cost is covered up by her art, so I can't, I know there is at least one blue involved. I've got it down here. It's two blue oh. and four colorless. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it's in the box. Yeah. Um, her plus two uh, is target creature can't be blocked this turn. Minus three is draw two cards. And then a minus ten is tap all creatures your opponents control, and you take an extra turn after this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, she starts with five loyalty. Um, so pretty good, um, creature base, really. Yeah. Um, which is interesting for blue. Yeah. Um, I mean, extra turns are always like a blue staple, but I'll be honest, um, out of the two of them, I, I could see Jang getting play in, in certain decks, not in anything competitive except for out the side of commander, but in mm-hmm. terms of commander, I, I could, I could play a Jang in a deck. Yeah. Um, there are tons of decks that I have that are mono green that, lands i you know poop out lands every couple turns because i'm i'm using ramp and even if it's not mono green i mean anything with green really i'm i'm getting land ramp so that's always that that's a great finisher and the other two abilities are just useful you know what i mean and, Either, he, get, and he gets that finisher pretty quickly too yeah i mean you're looking at two turns and not even yeah two turns yeah first turn plus you get the it's just like a garuk it's like you get the overrun on the second turn except it's a single target overrun and you know it can be a little bit more or less powerful depending um Mu Yangling, on the other hand, uh, I'll be honest. Um, you think her final's a little too expensive? I think her final's a little too expensive. I mean, it, she does have a plus two, so you'll get there quicker, but at the same time, and her and her minus three is draw two, but for a six casting cost, I'm not sure if I'll, I'll play her in a deck. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would have to be playing a very heavy, like, control deck that sort of revolves around extra turns and where, like... But even then, like, it wouldn't be a creature-based deck then. It's weird. She's a weird card. I'm curious to see what the deck lists are going to be. Yeah. Um, how they just, expect how, to complement her. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's generally what they do with these Planeswalker-type decks. Is right. like they're the deck plays to the Planeswalker yeah. and how the Planeswalker plays. Of course. And, you know, the other thing to keep in mind is there's going to be other new cards in this. It's not just going to be these two and then cards we've seen. There'll be a couple other new sh- cards to showcase, you know, as I said, Chinese culture. And so maybe there'll be something awesome that will help uh, boost her in some way or make her more playable. Me too. Um, so we'll see what happens. But that's just about it for Global Series for now. Um, just what, like If they were to do another country... Um, and you'd want to see like a planeswalker based on that country, what would you pick? I mean, you know me, I'm a weeb. Mm-hmm. So like, I'd want to say Japan, but also I feel like that'd be weird going to two Asian cultures back to back. Um, so I don't know, like me personally, I mean, like I said, Japan, but like the logical part of me, if I want to rule out Japan and say, okay, let's take a non sort of, you know, Asian culture and, and base it more on just any Euro culture. Um, that's a tough one. Um, I think it'd be really cool to have like, like something like Spain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That would be cool. Like Pedro the Planeswalker. Yeah. That's awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I just I I don't I mean I don't know what his name. Obviously, it wouldn't be something so like generic and stereotypical. But like I would love to so see like a, kind of like a conquistador kind of thing. Yeah, you know, something you know what I mean? The, the age of exploration. Yeah, kinda, totally. Yeah. I mean, um, that's that's kind of where I think I'd want to go. You I think. know me. I would definitely want something like 
Turk. Oh, well, Turk. But you can't really like pick sort of just, I would go just general, like kind of like that. The middle- namesake, <laughs> Genghis Khan. That'd be. The uh, Planeswalker. That'd be too much. <laughs> um, but like just that like Middle Eastern culture kind of like, harken back to Arabian Nights. Sure. Um, that'd be really cool. Yeah. And like two Planeswalkers themed around that. I would really be interested in that. Sure. Um, um, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. And I can't wait to see what they do with whatever the next... I can't wait to see this set, let alone the next set. Indeed. Um, moving on to Battle Bond, which <laughs> is... surprise. Yeah, which <laughs> Battle Bond... Left field. We yeah, like, we, we... I don't think we even knew about Battle Bond the last yeah, we time did. we cast, we did like, we? We were like two-headed giant, a whole set. How could you do that? Well... Well, they wizard. fucking... They did it. <laughs> and they did it... They did it well enough to where I bought two boxes. Wow. I pre-ordered two boxes. And listen, There's a lot of people... <laughs> well, I mean, hold on. Let, let me preface this. If you are a Magic player and you don't play big multiplayer games, if you if you pretty much strictly play one on one, then this set outside of a two headed giant drafting setting is probably not for you. There's a couple staples in there um, that that were very surprising um, that are, are worth picking up, but honestly, like the majority of the cards are probably you. It'd be like buying Conspiracy where. Half the pack might be, you might get one or two cards where you actually say, hey, I might use this someday. But the, most of the pack are cards that either are completely useless to you outside of the, the draft setting or outside of the multiplayer settings. Therefore, it's, it's you know, not as grand. I mean, the nice thing is the conspiracy cards were literally useless outside of a draft. Yeah. These cards, at least you know, in a multiplayer game of any kind, you will eventually get some use out of and them. And they are legal in Legacy and... Uh, <clears throat> Outside of and vintage, and vintage, they're yeah. not they're not standard or modern legal, but they're legal in commander, vintage, and legacy. Right, which I mean, so I mean, granted, I'm not sure how many of them are going to see play in it, but at the same time, <laughs> well, actually, there's one card that I'm almost positive is going to see play in vintage and legacy. Oh, really? Um, yeah, we'll talk about it in one second. It was the card that blew me away. That I was like, I can't believe they're doing this. Um, this is a bad idea. But <laughs> <clears throat> we'll see how fast the banhammer comes down on it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm overreacting. Anyway. Um, so Battle Bond, yeah, we didn't really know what to expect. And now, now that I've given that 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 preface, as a, as a as a person who almost exclusively plays in the commander multiplayer setting, yes, this set is gold. This set is beyond this, gold. This set is not only a game changer in terms of certain rules, but just like um, cards just, that interact in a multiplayer setting. Yeah, like like oh, okay. So let's just <laughs> let's just get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> The card that surprised me the most, the card that I thought to myself, this is going to see play in in Legacy right. and Vintage. Where are we going? Are you ready? How about you? How about you guess? Oh Jesus! Um, Take a random guess. See if you can figure it out. It is a new card. It is a new card. It's not something that has been made before, and it would be played in a one v one setting. A one v one setting. New card based on another card that's really fucking broken. Um. Sentinel Tower? No, sir. Arena Rector. Arena. Oh, yeah. It's based off Academy Rector. Yeah, which is a broken ass card. (laughs) And Arena Rector is a broken ass card. (laughs) Um, It is a mythic rare. It is just like Academy Rector. It's four casting cost, one white and three colorless, a one two creature. When Arena Rector dies, so Academy Rector um, would fetch you an enchantment. Any enchantment, pull it onto the battlefield. There it is. Arena Rector does it with a planeswalker. Arena Rector dies. And any planeswalker in your deck is on the battlefield. 
I can't imagine that's not going to be comboed in some way. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, I'm not I'm not enough into the legacy vintage setting to know the current meta to know if it's even viable. But in my brain, my brain is telling me you load up a deck with nickel boluses and Ugins and Karns. And you literally for four mana drop a Rector or even less because it's, you know, Legacy and Vintage has all sorts of little tricks to get the shit out, you know, sooner. Soul Rings and whatnot. Um, But point being is Arena Rector comes out, dies and oh, hey, look, you know, fucking Nickel Bolas. And you didn't cast him. You just put it on the battlefield. So unless they countered Arena Rector or unless they countered the trigger ability, like he's out. I I think the balance... Um, in this card is that you really can only do it once, unless you have means of like Says copying who? it, because it exiles when it when you, you play four copies of the rector. Uh, it's uh, a four yeah. copy format. That's Genghis. true. I'm sorry. I'm thinking this is commander. not commander. I'm thinking commander. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> like it's it is a disgusting card. Um, I I'm I if it's a cheap card when it comes out, I might just pick up four copies. And just hoard them. Yeah. It, just, because, just in case. Just in case. Um, once again, I might be overreacting. But when I saw that card, I, I was I was shocked. I was like, I can't believe they're doing this. Um, just because of what it could mean in terms of the walkers that you can pull. It's already like it's already up to like 30 bucks. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised. <laughs> um that's just gonna be a good card in you you play any walkers in any deck. That that's a card. Yeah, there 100%. it is. Um, um, uh, other cards. We'll start with, I guess, new cards. Let's talk talk about some of the mechanics. Um, yeah. The first mechanic that's really interesting um, to me is uh, the assist. Oh yeah, um, really like. I mean, like, because when 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 I think about these cards, I always put them in the setting of our our multiplayer. Commander games, oh, yeah. where there are clear teams, right? And like, well, maybe not clear in the beginning, but there if, are teams. There are teams that become clear as the game goes on, and even when they're not clear, yeah, you might roll an assist and just take a chance, and be like, "Hey, want to help me out?" It's like as as if like you're the sheriff and you're like, "Hey, deputy, you're all my deputies, right? Yeah. Help me cast this card." Yeah, <laughs> uh, the assist is another player can pay up to five. Uh, well, I mean, up to the colorless mana of the card's cost. The card I was looking at right now is just a random common called Dwarven Lightsmith. He's a 3-4. When he enters the battlefield, creatures, uh, your team controls get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Which we're going to have to retcon what that even means in our game. Yeah. Because, like, let's say a deputy flipped face up. What does the team mean? I mean, like, I mean, they've, they've kind of already talked about this, I feel. But, like, everyone is an individual in a multiplayer game, unless it's two-headed giant. Well, yes, we, we determined that for the purposes of our games. Unless you want to include, like, everyone's on the same team until things become granular later mm-hmm. on, as roles are revealed. Maybe. Maybe. We're going to we're gonna have to make some decisions. Anyway, that aside... Um, yeah, so forget about the team aspect of it. The real aspect is the assist. Any other player can pay up to the colorless mana cost, or I should say the generic mana cost, to help you cast the spell. So if you want to drop a bigger spell earlier, this will allow you to do <laughs> like so. Play of the game, yeah. which is six colorless and two white, a sorcery with assist, where it says exile all non-land permanents. Yeah, a which wipe. Is, which is insane. Yeah. Um... <laughs> 
and I guess it says another player, not yeah. multiple players. It's, it's one so other it's got to be one other but player. If one other player has been doing really well on like mana, right? Like, and you need the wipe. There it is. There it is. I mean, even then, like if you got, if they've got four and you've got four, you've you've done it. Yeah, you've done it. Like, you got it. Turn four. Turn four. Exile all non-land permanents. Oh, God, it's gonna be so. Ugh. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the first new mechanic. Um, it, the next new mechanic, they brought back support. We've seen support which, before. Which makes sense. Yep. Which is when a uh, creature enters the battlefield, it has a support and a number, and you put that many plus, uh, you know, you put a plus one, plus one counter on that many creatures, up to that many creatures, um, when it comes into play. Um, and then the last new mechanic is partner. Partner. But not the partner... That we saw in yeah, Commander, it's a not, new partner. It's, it's partner, partner with, with. That's probably a bit more. And partner with, which in some ways is probably, I'm sure, going to be somehow. I mean, if this, it's a shame. I bet you if this had come out first, those cards would have also said partner with in some way. I don't know for sure, though. But anyway, partner with is this. It's two creatures, and the creatures have a partner, and um, what it says is it, it, all the abilities read when it enters, when you uh, bring the creature onto the battlefield that has the partner with a, effect, a target player, so it could be yourself or it could be somebody else, um, can find the partner creature or planeswalker, because there are partner planeswalkers, um, and put them onto the battlefield. Oh, no, sorry, put them onto their hand, excuse me. Um, so, for instance, I'm looking at right now the first card that they have here on the, on the list is uh, Regna the Redeemer who is a an, an, an legendary angel, 4-4, four, four, costs 6 to cast, has flying, and at the beginning of each end step, uh, if you and your team gain life this turn, create two 1-1 one, one white warrior uh, creature tokens. It says, partner with Crav the Unredeemed. So you have to then find Crav, so I could pick somebody. So if Jengis is playing Crav, or even if I'm playing Crav, I could then search my deck, or he could search his deck, to find Crav and put Crav into play. Put him in his hand. Oh, excuse me, into the hand. I keep saying it's, into play. It's, it's not, not that, that broken. <laughs> but it is still very, very cool. Um, mm. And sometimes they're different colors, and sometimes, you know, you don't really know. Like, Crav is black. Um, he's a demon. Um, so it's a demon and angel combo. And he's a five cost normally, and you can sacrifice X creatures. Target player draws X cards and gains X life, and put X plus one plus one counters on him. That's a huge ability. Yeah. Um, um, usually, each of the partners have abilities that complement each other or yeah. interact with each other directly. Right. Um, like you know, for their for the first one they showed us was pure imaginative rascal, and Toothy the imaginary friend. Um, Peer is if one or more counters would be put on a permanent your team controls that many plus one of each of those counters are put on that permanent instead so it's like pretty much kind of like a an additional plus one so everything becomes doubled and then toothy is whenever you draw a card pull a plus one plus one counter on toothy and then when toothy leaves the battlefield draw a card for each plus one plus one counter on it so peer makes toothy bigger and then Toothy will draw more cards for you when Toothy leaves. Right. Um, another thing that that's not written on the cards per se, but is in the rules, is that each partner can be a co-commander, similar to like the original partner uh, mechanic. Right. So you can have Peer and Toothy as your commanders for your deck. Correct. Um, which, which is, is awesome. Not, which is very awesome. Because there's a shit ton of them. Yeah. But except they can't be partners with, they're going to be partners with the partners they're with, not any other partner in the deck. Well, I mean, that's always kind of how it's... Well, no, I guess the old commander can be partnered with anybody. Yeah, they yeah. can partner with anyone. Um, so 
then you have um, the big the big reveals were uh, Will and Rowan, um, who are the Planeswalkers, blue and red. They have partner um, and a whole bunch of abilities, and they're ridiculous. You can look the, all these cards can be looked up in the card image gallery um, if you want. I'm not going to go through all the Planeswalker abilities from now. There's a lot of other cards in here. Um, one card, for instance, that caught my eye that I wanted to talk about is a black card, which I want to get four copies of just because because oh, wow. I just think it's like. It's just such a it's such a freaking card. Um, stunning reversal. It's one black and three colorless. It's a mythic rare instant. The next time you would lose the game this turn, <laughs> instead draw seven cards and your life total becomes one. Exile stunning reversal. Um, that's crazy. That's a huge card. <laughs> that's a huge card. Uh, I, I man, like what a damn, what a card. This yeah. this is gonna be a game changer. It's gonna be it's gonna um, be ridiculous. And, uh, another, I mean, in terms of reprints, uh, well, I know there's one reprint here that made <laughs> Jengis super happy with a third time of getting new art, which is crazy to me because some cards don't even get new art the second time they're reprinted. Nope. It's got a new art. The third reprint, third time it's getting a new art. So it's three for three. Go ahead, Jengis. Doubling Ta- seasons. There it is. <laughs> getting reprinted. Yeah. Which is great. And it's actually, it's actually really nice art, too. It's super nice. Um, I'm really glad because Doubling Season is still a pretty expensive card and just having it reprinted. It did drop down already because yeah. of the reprint. Oh, of course. So, like, you know, it's nice for me as someone who, you know. If you're going to get one, now's, now's the time. The time <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, it's this beautiful Coliseum art. Um, I, I mean, that's that's all there is to it. It's a Coliseum and it looks gorgeous. Um, another probably... Most surprising, even more surprising than doubling season for me. Like a synth lattice? No. Oh. I mean, that was neat, but land tax. Land tax, yeah. They reprinted land tax, and they did it with the sweet judge art. Not that stupid Super Mario looking fucker. <laughs> like, this is the treasure chest of land. Um, so I'm... I'm. I totally want. I mean, I've got plenty of land taxes. I don't need a new one, but I'd love to have one with the new art. Yeah. Um... The last cards I think we'll we'll talk about here. We don't spoil the whole set because we could keep going on and on. There's, trust me, there's a lot of cards in the set that I love and would love to talk about. But the ones that the the last ones I should say that really kind of uh, floored me, especially in terms of the games that we play, is they they pumped out a, a new set of of dual lands, <laughs> and for all intents and purposes, outside of typing, these are dual lands because each of them read it's for the allied colors only. And each each, each, uh, each of them read that they come into play tapped unless you have two or more opponents. So if you're playing a multiplayer game of Magic, these are just coming in untapped. <laughs> Pretty much. And the only unfortunate thing is that they're not... That they're not typed. Oh. So you can't fetch for them because then... I mean, which honestly, I don't see why they didn't type them. Because it, it would it, be... It would be what? The value it's, would be far too grand. But no, I, I really don't think so. Yeah. Because it's, it's still multiplayer exclusive to coming in untapped. That's true. In in the 1v1 format, it would just be a, a, land, a tapped land that you could fetch for. Um, which honestly, like, what is that really affecting? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, in terms of the sets that this would be legal in, in Vintage Legacy or Commander. Yeah, you're like, right. You know what I mean? Like, it... I honestly don't believe there's a single reason why they couldn't have typed these lands. But regardless, I'm still very happy that they exist. And I want to play a set of all of them and then some. Um, because <laughs> I can see why you bought two boxes. Yeah, because honestly, 
Every one of those lands I pull is going in a deck. There's no way I'm going to... I don't care how many I pull in those boxes. Because this is just like Conspiracy or just like Iconic Masters. This is a limited box set. So it's yeah. 24 packs as opposed to 36. So even out of 48 packs, even if I pulled one of these lands in every pack... I still would probably be short lands because of how many decks I own that are multicolor and how many I would need to play. Yeah. I mean, you've got a whole freaking carton case full of decks. So yeah. It's and like, then some. <laughs> and a shelf. And a shelf. Like, it just it doesn't so, stop. Yeah. I actually have to buy another one of the cases because it's just like, <laughs> I'm just like, what am I doing? Um, so, yeah, that... That, that'll end our battle bond review and let me just say it right now like two fucking thumbs yeah it, like it came up. out of left field and we're just like blown away yeah um we're here for the ride yeah we are uh good for good for you Matt. yeah yeah and i'll probably oh uh tune in because i will probably do an unboxing uh, on and uh pack cracking video on the geek aid youtube uh excuse me youtube just uh the geek aid facebook live oh, page okay. um so please expect that to come next week or a week and a half because it's got to ship to me take a look because um, you're going to be listening to this uh, just be like, yeah <laughs> uh so moving on to D D. First off, dur dur. as always, Unearthed Arcana. <laughs> um, so just a little, well, preface. Uh, the, you know, there's a little bit of news um, because this is the, the, this weekend is the stream of many eyes. Mm. Um, so they teased what the next a- adventure is going to be, uh, you know, previously. What's it going to be, Jengis? <laughs> it's Waterdeep Dragon heist or like horde heist or something like that it's like do you mean jarlaxle the module <laughs> uh it definitely seems like and what jarlaxle is prominently featured uh in the in the art um but yeah water deep dragon heist uh you know i'm oh in the background is another interesting thing is a giant beholder which i thought was cool yeah um, i'm totally down for a heist mod yeah, I would you know, you love really, to play a heist you don't mod. Really get, actually, like, that's kind of like going kind of out of the the norm of like I to- I'm totally along for the ride. Plus, you, know, you know, we're fans of Waterdeep and Jarlaxle. Jarlaxle. Um, but I would, I mean, I hope somebody wants to run this. I would love to play this. Um, it just seems like a fun game. An interesting quote they said was, "If you just want Waterdeep, we're giving it to you. You can use the city, even if you don't want to use the story. So we're gonna get." All of Waterdeep. Yeah, which we're going to get the 5e Waterdeep source book. Which is crazy. Which is awesome. Because <laughs> um, Waterdeep is just such like a, you know, it's an iconic city. It's... On the Sword Coast. I mean, and what city isn't iconic on <laughs> yeah, the Sword Coast? True. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I it is it is definitely, it is huge. Um, city of Splendors, some say. Yeah. So, uh, they say uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist takes D&D back to civilization, an environment which encourages a lot of role-playing. Uh, a lot of inspiration was from things like Ocean's Eleven and the Italian job in a city environment, uh, where the goal of the adventure is to try and find a trove of treasure and keep it out of the hands of villains. Mm. I'm down. Me too. I want to play it. I really hope someone runs it. I, uh, hell, I might run it. <laughs> it just sounds fucking cool. Uh, I, should but, just, I should just put an all call out to everybody that we know and just be like, nobody read this fucking book. <laughs> Because I want to run it. Oh man! All right. Actually, that's a lie. I really don't want to run it. I'd really prefer play probably it. play it. I want to play it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe and I should just tell Rocco. Be like, bro, do you want to run this? Just run this. But he probably wants to play it too. That's yeah. the that's the problem. Everybody wants to play it. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, because I would love to kind of figure out like pull off the heist. Um, but back to Unearthed Arcana. Back to Unearthed Arcana. Um, so really uh, neat this month. We got. 
two new races. Two like, new ra- which is like two something, new races. Something we haven't seen since oh third edition. I third think. edition. Yeah, I don't yeah. think fourth fourth edition did no. centaurs and minotaurs. So, there it is. You um, said it. That, that's what it is. That's what it is. Centaurs and minotaurs. Yeah. So if you want to be a half a man, half beast, yeah. This is this is your unearthed arcana. Um, um, and they're not broken. I mean, they're oh, powerful. They're powerful, but they're not broken. But they're not broken, which is different than what it was. You know, back in the third edition, there was just you know. Uh, you had the what was it? What was it called? Adjusted level. Oh yeah, it was uh, like you were like level a level adjustment modifier, or whatever yeah. it was. And long story short, is because you were a monstrous cre- monstrous humanoid, and you would have to like like if you were level two, you would actually like count as level six because of how powerful you were. If it was like a minor, you know, if it was a four level adjustment, or there's a lot of math involved. So they kind of got rid of that, and they just sort of said, here's a balanced way. To give you a powerful, like, creaturey, monstrous race, but you don't have to worry about all of the uh, the crazy math or ins and outs, you know? Mm-hmm. What I like about them, um, what I find interesting about them, they, if I were to give them a size category, I would call them extra medium. Because yeah, <laughs> extra medium. Because they're not large. No. <laughs> they're not considered large, but they're as big as medium can it, get. Yeah, they are. They're pushing the bounds of that five by five square. Um, which is pretty ridiculous. It is. Um, and like I like that they also included rules of like um, the centaurs are equine builds. So climbing is particularly difficult for them. Yes. <laughs> um, and but also uh, a medium or smaller creature can ride on your back if you allow it. Yikes! Uh, <laughs> Yikes! Um, it's going to be some messed up fanfic going on. And you can, con- and you can on. continue to act independently because you have an upper body <laughs> yeah. that is not worse. <laughs> Which is like that's so wild. I really hope that someone kind of takes that. Like Kurt, let us ride. <laughs> Get on my back. back. <laughs> Um, you know, you uh, in both these <laughs> you creatures, rage on my back. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go this way. No, um, I like that both creatures are, or both player, uh, both races are considered uh, hybrids. Yes, uh, so they're both humanoid and monstrous for the for the sake of like typing. Yes, um, you know, and you know they they both come with natural weapons. Well, a, a centaur has its hooves. A minotaur has horns, which I think are really great. Um, and I, I really like them because I like minotaurs. Mm, um, me too. I really liked, I want, I think I played, I think I made a minotaur character once. Mm-hmm. I don't remember when. It was a very short It was a long time ago, yeah. yeah. But I would love to like revisit that and make like, you know, even though it's like, even though Faerun doesn't really have minotaur people yet i suppose yeah um like i don't know how well it fit in but i think minotaurs are very iconic and i I agree i think so too i would say that it's a welcome addition i really hope this finds its way into a book and speaking of books speaking of books (laughs) mordenkainen's tome of foes so it released um and we read it yes we both i mean skimmed it but read it for the most part um and I have to say, I am pleased. I'm very pleased. Um, it gives you... I'll just give you a quick breakdown. It starts by talking about um, the Nine Hells and the devils who control the Nine Hells. It moves on to the Abyss and the uh, Lords of the Abyss and who controls that. And then gives you some background on uh, Dwarven, Elven, and Halfling cultures. 
Um, and in each of those sections, uh, for the dwarven halfling and oh, and yeah, well, dwarven halfling and um, elven cultures, it also gives a bunch of sub races, but none of the sub races are new per se. They're new to a source book, but not new to us. If you've been listening to an Anathrakana series on the, on this podcast, you've heard them before. Yes. Eladrin, Shadarkai, Deep Gnomes, Dwergar, or like they're the Gith and the Gith Yankee. Yes, the Gith and the Gith Yankee have their or own Gith section. Zerai and the Gith Yankee. Key. Yes, the Gith. They have their their own section now as well. Um, the really, in terms of um, player options and races, the real interesting thing for me, which I don't remember if this was in uh, in an Unearthed Arcana or not, was that um, they established that the base Tiefling in the player's handbook is a Tiefling who um, has like the blood of Asmodeus <laughs> in them. Um, but this. This book gives all of the devils of the Nine Hells and what the differences are for tieflings that have the blood of the other devils, um, which I think is really interesting. I don't remember if that happened before. It might have, it might have been one of those ones we skipped. Maybe. Um, but, it, but it's there, great. Because there was a period of time where there was like several in a month. Yeah, there was like, like 14 of them and we were overwhelmed. Yeah. And yeah. So I'm, I'm, I like it. I do. Um, it goes a, a lot of details on the pantheons of each yeah, of the individual I really, races. I really did like the, you know, these books are kind of like half lore books mm-hmm. and half, you know, you know, rule books. And um, what's neat is that the lore is written in the character's voice. Yes. Like this is Morden Kynan's book. Yeah. Not like a and d book with his name on it. Like it's like he wrote it himself. And I always like the little touches here and there. Mm-hmm. Like his little know, post-it notes little, and yeah, stuff. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they did the same thing with uh, Xanthars, Xanthars and with and Volos. Um, I really like this style. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really curious to see how they go with it going forward. Um, but I really do. This this book is great. Elements just Guide really to Magic. Wanna, it's uh, coming. It's, no, it's, it's coming. Elements Guide to Pipe Tobacco. Huh? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and How to Make It Last Ever. Yeah. <laughs> um... But all in all, I really want to like I'm I'm ready to really like dig into this book because a lot of like juicy lore. Yeah. I do enjoy juicy lore. And then there's also the the book finishes out with a hefty bestiary too. Yes, yes it does. Um, a bunch of new monsters. Um, some that are you know from previous editions that have been uh, brought back in. Others that are kind of new. Um, and also the real interesting thing I, I thought about this was they give you the stat blocks for all of the um, Lords of the Abyss, but not. For the um, the greater devils or the arch devils or whatever they are of the nine hells, they do give arch devils, but they're not like Asmodeus and Beelzebub and 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 uh, you know the big ones. They're they're just like the ones that are right under them, like Bale, um, which I thought was interesting that they gave like they gave us the full Monty with the abyss, but not the full Monty with the nine hells. Didn't we? Didn't they do? I think they had some of the stat plots blocks in Princes of the Apocalypse, yeah. but I'm just shocked that they didn't put them into. I guess it's because all... you have to remember that they also had the stat blocks for. Didn't they have the stat blocks for Lords of the Abyss and something I, too? I I do my best to refrain from reading adventures modules, modules just in case. Just in case, yeah. So I really don't know. That's why I would ask you in case huh. you re- read through any of it. I I really only read through the Tiamat one, which unfortunately is dead in the water, um, which is a shame because you guys were so close to finishing out the first so close. the first part, and then the second part was crazy. Um, but uh, but yeah, all in all, I'm two thumbs up. I'm very pleased with Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. I I'm definitely going to pick up a hard copy. 
Um, and maybe even the nice hard copy, the limited edition. Oh yeah, um, that's really nice. It is, and I'll uh, it'll it'll definitely come to my bookshelf. Jubilex, I remember Jubilex. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's great. Was a spy monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of um, Marcus. A lot of uh, what was the uh, Book of Vile Darkness? A lot of Book of Vile Darkness yeah, stuff in this. You know, without having all the extra really sinister bits. That yeah. Are- <laughs> um, but there's definitely a good hint of that in Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. Uh, yeah, two thumbs up. What about you? Yeah, two thumbs up for me too. Definitely. They're really like I said, they're knocking out of the park with these books. I really. You know, I'm sad that we only get like one a year, right? But like, I guess that's good because otherwise we get we thir- get we, we get three point five, yeah, which was ridiculous. Which is a book every month, <laughs> sometimes more. Um, moving on, we're gonna go and give you, our listeners, some adventure hooks that we're gonna think of right now um, that you can use in your games for adventures. Because sometimes you want to play a D and D game. But you don't want to think of the thing that you want to give the hook, so that's what we're here for. <laughs> so, Jengis, you want to give the first hook? Sure, David. Um, so, a good hook... Um, <laughs> As know, he stalls. You know me, Dave. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> lots of stalling. Um, lots I'm of thinking. I'm a big fan of, of villages being destroyed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a yeah. lot of the, the stories I come up with start off with a village being destroyed. Sure. So, why not... A group of adventurers are on their way to someplace, maybe, you know, throw in something else, some larger part of the story. Yeah. They get there, the village is utterly decimated, with minor clues set here and there, and the, the adventurers have to figure out what happened and how to stop the next town from suffering the same fate. Oh, that hook sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh I'm going to give a hook that we've actually already played through a little bit in a one shot that you did uh, back in episode 18. Um, and it was a hook that I had thought of that I really wanted, that I liked the idea of. Um, but I'm just going to make it more generic. It would be uh, you would tell your party of adventurers, you would say, you wake up and you are in a cold, dank um, mm-hmm. prison. And you have no memory of the previous night, but you know that something awful has happened as your hands are stained red with blood and your belongings have been stripped from you. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and that is a, <laughs> I think that's a great hook. What else you got? Um, let's see here. <sighs> it's hard to come up with these on the fly. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I got another one. Yeah, I got another one but I, I, the problem is, once again, this is almost stealing for something that hasn't even come out yet. But that's okay. In the Ocean's Eleven vibe, if you will, <laughs> uh, it would be um, an ancient relic uh, that is um, important to your family has been stolen from you and locked away in a local thieves' guild. It is up to you and your adventuring party to infiltrate the guild, break into their vault, and steal the relic back. Hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. that. Um, how's about this one? Yeah. Uh, Lay it on me. Each of the adventurers uh, receive a letter from the same person. Leads them to uh, a location in the middle of the woods. And there, there is a portal leading to God knows where. Mm-hmm. And someone comes down and says, please, you have to help me. <laughs> Welcome to battle world. <laughs> Um, you find a small maiden about the size of a child um, of about seven years of age laying face down in the dirt she coughs she sits up and she looks at you and she says please help me I am the goddess 
and then make up a name that is not a current goddess. I'm going to say Nostrama. I am the goddess Nostrama, and I need help. I have fallen from grace. Ooh. And it's up to you and your party whether or not to choose to help this so-called goddess. Is she a goddess, or is she just crazy? <laughs> is she just crazy? Yeah. Um, how about this? Yeah. Um, your group of ventures going to into a kobold's lair. Mm, classic, to, classic. Classic. To, you know, steal back some kind of MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ground falls out underneath you inside the lair. Mm-hmm. You fall down a series of tunnels. You end up in the Underdark, and there you have to survive a drow raid or something mm. like that. That'd be pretty wild, right? Yeah. You know, like... It actually of- reminds me of this next one, which I've used, and I can't claim credit for this. Um, I got this from a pre-made way back in the day. But anytime I need to, like, default to something, this is usually a pretty good one, especially for a group of adventurers that are level one and maybe don't have a common background and they're not together um and that's that you were on an open hill uh in a on a plains um and there aren't there isn't really any cover when a horrible thunderstorm breaks out and you see set into the hill is a small door to which you run for as you run for it you see that there are others also running for the door despite the caution in your head as the thunder cracks and the lightning strikes the ground near you you don't have time to debate whether or not it's a good idea and in you go and each of you stare at each other and claim immediately the words storm peace, an unbroken rule which says that in the time of an intense storm, you agree to be peaceful inside this lair. But however, you don't know what else lies within this sanctuary. Mm. Mm. Uh, I was trying to like come up with an idea. I'm like, what if like you are, you know... On a caravan going towards the city, mm-hmm. um, the caravan, like, some, some terrible storm happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the storm passes, and you and the caravan are nowhere near where you were originally, mm-hmm. and you see a city in the distance, and you kind of have to figure out what happened and how to get back to where you were going. Mm. Like, I thought that would be... You know, it's a pretty interesting visual. Sure. In my head. I don't know if that would actually like. Sure. I'm going to piggyback off that same kind of concept. You and your party have just come back from a long adventure. You're weary and tired. You can't wait to get home to your families and to the comforts of your individual uh, homes. And as you approach the city of insert city, we'll go with Waterdeep since we just mentioned it. As you approach the city of Waterdeep, as you crest a hill, you see a crater where Waterdeep once stood. Mm. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to take another. I'm going to borrow one. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just because, like, no, keep it coming. It's, it's one that I really enjoy. Uh, it's from a podcast that I've been listening to recently. Um, Unit Group Adventures are summoned to an inn for an interview for an upcoming job, uh, for an upcoming, you know, quest, adventure, job, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, your contact never shows up um, and it starts to get late. So, and the inn says they have no. They have no vacancies for you. You have to find vacancies somewhere else. You and the group leave the inn only to find out you've walked into the same inn and kind of goes from there. Interesting. <laughs> um, let's go with... Uh, it turns out to be you a complex and party, <laughs> You and your party are the most famed adventuring group um, that has 
existed in this age. You have slain dragons. You have um, conquered cities back from evildoers and given them back to the people. You have done all of the greatest feats that are possible of uh, adventurers of your stature and level. However, upon meeting a strange beggar woman who asked you for money and you snidely kicked her to the curb you found yourselves the next morning without the powers that you had previously drained of the of the vitality that you that you had worked up over years of adventuring and with only shoddy equipment at your side your face is still your own however your power is now that of a simple level one adventurer you must begin anew and track down the witch that stole your powers Mm. 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 Mm mm-hmm Got some All Might stuff going in there. Yes. <laughs> Not quite the same, but... Oh, that's what, that's actually what I was thinking of. Like, the idea of, like, someone who's number one, who then yeah. gets pretty much depowered, and it's like, how does that affect... And, like, how do you keep up perceptions? You know what I mean? What mm-hmm. happens if you run into a rough-and-tumble gang, and you have to... You're now a level one derp, and you got to be like, hey, you really want to mess with us? <laughs> like, do you know who we are? <laughs> We're that guy. And then as the uh, gang runs away from you, you wipe the sweat off your brow and go, thank God. <laughs> Um, like another one that I'm trying to think of is like how do you go from like you know being a group of like essentially do good adventurers mm-hmm. um, but then through like I'm trying to figure out like I have the, the beginning and I have the end how do you get to that point mm. and it's like you know do you uh, signing up for a job is too simple I feel so it has to be something a little bit more convoluted um, where wherein you you know I like the idea of like you know someone asks for help Mm -hmm. you save them um, but saving them puts you into a situation where you become indebted to well essentially a, a fiend yeah and you have to you have to do what the fiend says because of you know, some rule or some contract you may have signed mm-hmm. um, while still retaining your, you know, goodly nature. Sure. You know, a morality uh, test. <laughs> sure. I'll, uh, I'll give one last one. Um, a dragon has chased you into a cave in the northernmost region of your lands. It is freezing cold and you have two choices to stay in the cave and go deeper into what may be the Underdark or to go out and face the wrath of an ice dragon and make your way towards the nearest town. Interesting. Yeah. Ice dragons. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that's it for our D&D section. Yeah. Feel free to use those hooks. Um, Hopefully they serve you well. And we're going to move on to board games. (laughs) I'll be a bit more prepared next time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Starting off, Jenkins and I played a game called Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. We played this with our game Pat um, and with my wife. and My wife. My wife. And we... uh, we we enjoyed it, I think. I enjoyed it. Um, um, I feel like we were very tired. We were very tired. Because we had just played, if you remember from our last episode, we talked about that, that escape room game, board game, that we played. Um, and it, it sort of drained a little bit of the life out of us. So I think our brains were a little shot by the time we played it. Um, so we didn't win our first no. time. We, we lost. Um, but the idea of the game is this. It's a narrative. It's a, a narrative game. You have a map. And you play um, a bunch of, you don't play Sherlock Holmes, but you play like a bunch of his like, like 
little 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 guys, little detective cronies. It's like the, the way they phrase it is that the Sherlock Holmes employs. If you remember the movie Sherlock Holmes, right? Um, he employs urch street urchins, um, you know, beggars, uh, you know, merchants to kind of be his eyes and ears on, on the street, or, or on the street, right? And you play those eyes and ears. Uh, and you, you essentially play private investigators that aren't private investigators. Exactly. And the uh, in the group, you as a group, you decide where to go on a map that's given to you, and the, and you have like a little almost phone book that shows you like the names of certain people. Um, a directory. The, yes, directory. And like as information is given to you, and you hear more names, you can decide where to go based on that. Um, like, you know, if you hear that there might have been something that went down at the police station, you look up in the directory, find the police station, go to that number. And then it corresponds to a book um, that gives you like a bunch of plot um, for that specific gives you like a paragraph or two or maybe less maybe, or maybe more or if maybe you hit more, something big um, um, of like story where yeah. you're you, there is like a de facto leader of your group um, who is the. The voice in the book, so right. to speak, which we went real hard with it. We we did the accents and everything, we which did. I think, just like Pirate Dice, I think it really helped. Oh, hundred percent. I think a lot of the fun of the I game was we hearing were, the if vocals. We were a bit more cognizant and like not as drained. Yeah, I feel like we would have made it even better. Of course. Um, yeah. Uh, but like you know, and you get a little bit of story uh, with clues that may lead you to the next thing you need to look for, mm-hmm. or. Might not even be pertinent to anything right. that you're looking at. <laughs> and um, you can only do this a certain number of times. I think it's like 20 interviews, I think, yeah. was the max or something around there. I think it might change depending on the number of players you it have. It might also change depending on the story that you're... Right. Because that that box contained like... I think eight cases. Eight ca- yeah, it was a good amount. Like yeah. some of them, a good uh, four of them, them. Four of them are all revolve around Jack the Ripper. Yeah. And then the other four were standalones. Yeah. Um, we played the first of the Jack the Ripper cases. And because um, that's just the, that's just case number one, we like might as well just go in order. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we lost. You you the end of the game is essentially um, like a group version of of the end game of Clue, mm-hmm. where it's like pretty much who was it, what they do it with, where to go down. Well, the interesting thing about it is that they they already tell you off the bat. Sherlock knows what happened. Right. And, but he just needs, like, he, he wants, needs the finite evidence. Yeah. He, he wants someone to, like, either he just wants the information. He that, wants the confirmation that exactly. he's correct. So he has a series of questions for you um, that you need to answer at the end, uh, at the end of the, the module. And uh, so you have to take the information you've gathered throughout the 20 or so places you've gone to mm-hmm. and, give him the answers to those questions. And those questions have definitive answers that you should have gotten through the quest or through, I say quest because I'm still in a and d frame of mind, but like through like the, the, the various people you've talked to and places that you've gone to. Yeah. Um, it was, a uh, in which we didn't, we didn't, we but that thought, was okay. But like we, like we chased a hook and like, I feel like we, for a couple of them, we skirted around the edge. Yeah. Or maybe, like, something we we missed because, like, we were tired. When we missed a clue here or there that may or may not have given us, led us down the right path. Um, I don't want to spoil anything in case you want to play this because, like I said, there is an answer to these. And, like, I don't want to spoil that answer. Um, but it definitely pays to be, you know, perceptive of what you are what they're presenting to you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and like even like the most minute of details uh, might be important because you'll see that some people will say one thing when in reality something else happened and you kind of have to be able to discern like oh this person's lying let's go here because that was the place he didn't say he went to and maybe there's some more information there right or maybe they omitted something or the information doesn't line up so we kind of have to canvas the neighborhood mm-hmm. um and they give you like a map of a the the full game is a map of london for the jack the ripper cases there's a very small sub section of london mm-hmm. that you uh, navigate around yes um and, and the other cases are more a broad overview of london yeah. itself but like you know they give you a uh, a ruler to tell you how long it would take one person to travel from here to there. So you kind of you can take that information, right, and like kind of match up to what people are saying. It's very much a detective game. Yeah, it's, it really gives you that feeling yeah. of like chasing a case and working at it. Like yeah. like you had to work at it. It wasn't handed to us, and I was okay losing the first time. I mean, I'm competitive, but at the same time, I was like, you know what? We tried. It's late, but I am looking forward to playing another round of it. Um, when we're a little bit more awake and seeing if we can figure it out. Yeah. Um, I'd give it two thumbs up. I, too, would also give it two thumbs up. There's a lot of... like, How much was that? It wasn't much. It was like 20 or 30 bucks, I think. For 20 or 30 bucks, that's a lot. Yeah. That's like eight time stories in like what? Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was hefty. It was a hefty game. More yeah. hefty than I expected when I opened definitely it. Definitely a couple hours for even just that first. And yeah. like, if you want to like, you know, do it again... Like, see if, like, you could actually get the answers. Like, mm-hmm. I could see that, too. Um, but, yeah. And, like, well-written, I would say. Yes, very much so. Um, solid. Solid, I would say. Yeah. Um, next, we're going to review something, actually, that Jengis hasn't done. This is something that I just recently did, and I thought it'd be fun to review because of our, once again, because of our last episode. Um, I recently went to, in uh, in Garwood, New Jersey, there is a place that opened up. It is a franchise, a chain. And it is called... You went to an Applebee's. Yeah. It was the most was Applebee's. It was awesome. Imagine a dark Applebee's. Um, <laughs> it's a place called Escapology, or as the guy with the accent over the loudspeaker says, Escapology. <laughs> um, and Escapology is an escape room place. Um, and it's the first time that I've been to one, and I've heard horror stories about them being like gross or just being like not fun or being too easy or this or that. Let me tell you, if you have an escapology by you, you should definitely go. This place is incredible. The atmosphere is very cool. You walk in. It's got like a steampunk feel to it. Um, And each room, they make sure to set up for you. There's a game master watching over you. Um, You get three hints that you can use throughout the game that your game master will give you. Sometimes the game master is nice and might give you a freebie. Did you use any hints, Um, We'll get get to that. (laughs) Um, And uh, then... Um, if you if you if you need more hints than the three, you can ask for more. But every hint that you use takes two minutes off of your final time, oh. um, and you have one hour to do the escape room. And there are leaderboards from across the nation of like fastest time in each room. Really, that's fun. Yeah, so you can go you can go for broke, but you can pretty much only play a game one time, um, just like any other escape room. Um, and it's. It's fascinating. Um, so I got to play... Actually, I've done three rooms in the past oh, wow. uh, two weeks. And that's because... You're hooked. Well, that and the month of May was teacher appreciation, so it was free for me. Oh, well, um, there you go. <laughs> so two of the rooms I did for free, and then I actually paid for the third, which I went to um, actually just last uh, last night. 
Yeah. Yeah. Last night. Um, the first room I did that they had there is called the Budapest Express. Um, it is a... Um, is who done it? Yes. Oh, it nice. is similar to if you've seen the movie Murder uh, or read the Agatha Christie book, Murder on the Orient Express. Very similar. You're on a train and someone has been murdered, Ooh. and to escape the room, you essentially have to solve the case. Um, the second room I did uh, is called the Code, which was um, like, like a college dorm setting. Oh, uh, because there's college a, dorm. Because there was a hacker, a young hacker <gasps> oh. who had stolen tons of bank account information and was threatening to if the if like you know uh, if the government didn't pay him like three billion dollars, he was going to drain people's accounts and give out information and blah blah blah. And you play an FBI agent trying to uh, stop the hacker in time. And I'm Agent Axel. And last night, um, this is Agent Rose. Um, and last night. Uh, we did one called Under Pressure, which is the hardest room that they offer. It's a World War II submarine and is taking thought, on water and you only have 60 minutes of oxygen left. That was Freddie Mercury. Uh, it is also that. <laughs> um, and they were great. Now, uh, I'm going to do my best not to spoil these rooms um, in terms of... Um, what they offer in terms of uh, how to solve them, but I will tell you there there are some neat things. Each each game is a, is about three rooms actually. Like you have a starting Ooh. room, a second room. Actually, the code I didn't even realize there was a third room because it was hidden. And like 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 D and D style, a piece of the wall opened up, oh. and I was like, "Holy crap! There's another room here. There's a secret door. Um, it is high tech." Like, some of the stuff that they do is awesome. Um, Budapest Express, I went with a group of six, including myself. And we finished. Uh, we ended up using two of the three hints. Um, I don't think we used all three. I think we used two of the three hints. And we got one or two freebies because a student of mine works there. And she happened to be our game master. And she tossed us a freebie or two, which I was not happy about. Uh, I went in not wanting to use any hints. Of course. As I do. But everybody that was like, let's use hints. So I was like, all right, fine, guys, whatever. Um, I gave in and I let them do their thing. Um, in terms of the Budapest Express, in terms of the game, it was fantastic. I loved it. Um, I just wish I hadn't played it with six people. Um, I think solved quickly because there were so many? Not that they were solved necessarily quickly so much as with six people information was so disjointed and everybody wanted to do something which I don't blame like I mean I want to do something too like it's you want to have fun um but it was almost like too many cooks in the kitchen yeah and I feel like I didn't get the full like there are things that like got solved before I even knew that they were a puzzle Mm -hmm. and I didn't get a chance to solve or or take a crack at them myself Mm. um so I almost feel like it was it was too many to go with but I did enjoy the experience and I definitely like wanted to go again um, I then did the code with a buddy of mine who's also a teacher. His name's Gil. Um, and Gil and I went into the, the code, just the two of us. And we both went in. He's, he's of the like mind of me. He didn't want to take hints. And I was like, let's try to do a no hint run. And we almost did. Oh. We only, we eventually, we were stuck for like, I'd say 15 to 20 minutes at this one part. And it got down to, we had 15 minutes left on the clock. And I pretty much said, all right. It's kind of do or die now. Either we take the hint now and maybe finish, or we don't take the hint and we just, we're going to lose. Which, both of us kind of went in with the mindset of, like, it's okay, because we'd rather, like, 
you know, my, my mindset is I want to win myself. Yeah. I don't want to be handed it you know, to me. But at the same time, like you want one, to finish. You, you, eventually the pressure got on and, and it was just sort of that, like we kind of wanted to finish. So we did it. We, we gave in and I, I we were both a little disappointed about it in the end, especially because it was so dumb what it was. Um, but we gave in and got a hint for something that we hadn't even, hadn't even checked. Um, I will get a small spoiler. So spoiler alert. Um, one of the puzzles involves finding a bunch of QR codes and what we got stuck on is we found two of the three that we needed. We couldn't find the third. And in the very beginning, in the opening video that they play, because they play an opening video for the plot, in the opening video, the hacker had quoted Oscar Wilde. And there was a book we found that had an entire Oscar Wilde-like narrative in it. And we just kept combing through that narrative, thinking there was something in there we were missing, trying to like see if there were lines or passages that made sense. When in actuality, if we just turned to the back of the book, like the very back cover, that's where the last QR code ah. was. So that was what we ended up wasting the one hint on, was we were just like, boop. Um, we also did get one freebie, but we didn't, we weren't upset about the freebie because we both determined that it was something that neither of us would have ever figured out. Um, there was a, a certain puzzle where if you step back and if you were to step back and look at it, look at your finished solution, it created a picture that was a code. Um, the the materials, I'm trying to be ambiguous about this, the materials we had to use to construct and finish this puzzle um, were so old and twisted that it was like like once you knew what it was it was clear but without knowing there was no way either of us would have seen it Fair enough. so we didn't get too upset about that but here we are we think we're gonna lose we get to this the last room that we didn't even know was there we have to do this a lot of computer a yeah. lot of typing and like a lot of oh man it was awesome and we hear this thing go off this video and we're like it's got to be done gil goes out to check he's like no there's still a minute left i'm just still typing <laughs> we finished with 22 seconds left on the clock wow. and we escaped the room now that room has an escape rate i don't know what budapest express has but i know that I was told that room has a like general escape rate of uh 40 to 60 percent somewhere in that range um so the, our game master of that game was like super impressed. He came in with a big smile on his face. I think we were also the only people there, so he's almost exclusively watching us. Yeah. Um, and he was just like, I've never seen a no hint run done before, and you guys almost did it. It was still super impressive. <laughs> and I was awesome. just like, oh, cool. Thanks, man. Like, see, that's what I mean. Like, that made me feel good. Um, and I had a lot of fun. And you also get a wristband every time you finish with like um, the name of the room that you did. Oh, nice. Um, That's cute. Yeah. So then, so then last night we did Under Pressure. And this was uh, Bevan and myself. And just the two of us in the room. Because I liked the, the two man. Like, I kind of want to keep it small. Um, like I said, I think six was too much. And we went in. And I went in like thinking. I went in almost thinking like I'm going to go no hints. And then by the time we got there, I was like, you know what? I'm going to stow my pride. And if I need to take a hint, we'll take a hint. Let's yeah. try and beat the room. Um, unfortunately, I can tell you, we did not beat the room. Oh. It has a 10% escape rate. I was hoping oh to be part God. of that 10%. And we did not. We got close. But it was also, I can also say it wasn't entirely our fault either. What ended up happening was there was, so they have to reset these rooms, right? After people play them because things get tossed around. And sometimes there are, there are locks that look the same, like three-digit combination locks. And there was a one three-digit combination lock that we had figured out how to get the code. It was math. I wasn't expecting to have to do math, but I did a lot of math last night. And I got a three-digit code, and it wasn't working. 
So like we erased the math. We did it again. And here I am thinking like I I haven't done like it was multiplication. Yeah. But like here I am thinking like I don't do math on a regular basis. And I'm thinking like have I gotten this dumb? <laughs> like I used to be really good at this. Like is this not the right number? Am I being so – I'm checking it over. I have Bevan do it. She gets the same number. Like we're just looking at this and we, tr- we keep trying it. We keep, And then we're like maybe you're not supposed to go in the middle of it. Maybe you're supposed to put the numbers to the side. Maybe it's the way the lock is. Cannot get it. So finally, I'm just like, you know, actually the game master saw us struggling after like, we had been doing it for like five, seven minutes of time on this one lock. Game master's like, do you have the three digit code? And we were like, yes. He's like, what code do you have? We said it. He's like, yes, that's the code. Now just put it in the lock. And I was like, I did. He's like, try it again. Make sure you're doing it in the middle. I was like, okay. Did it. Still wouldn't open. They're like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm pretty sure. So Game Master actually ended up having to come in. <laughs> they ended up pausing the time there. And it turned out that there were two more of those locks in, a, in the second room. And I guess when they reset the room, they put the wrong lock on. Oh. So it was their fault. So we ended up wasting like maybe a total of 10 minutes or so on that lock. So I can't say that it was entirely our fault. But also... Even what ended up happening was at the end of the game, um, they unfortunately had another group waiting to come in because the game master said to us that he was actually going to give us a 10-minute extension to make up for it. Um, But unfortunately, since they had someone else coming in, he was like, this is what I'm going to do. While my colleague set up the beginning of the room, um, I'm just going to walk you through the rest of it. You're just going to play it out right now. I'm just going to show you what you would have done to beat the room. And we were like, okay. Which, on the one hand, was nice. On the other hand, we were both like, we almost wish he didn't do that because we would have liked to have come back and maybe given it another go. Um, But it's... It's over now. He walked us through the rest of it. He showed us what we would have done. And I have to say, with an extra 10 minutes, was it possible? Yes. There's a possibility we would have finished that room. Mm-hmm. We did not have a lot left. Yeah. Um, and, and we very well could have done it. Um, do I think we would have? I don't know. Because the one puzzle we were on when, we, when the clock stopped, I don't know how long that puzzle would have taken us to solve. The other ones, I think we would have flown by. But the one that we stopped on might have taken a few minutes. And I don't know if we would have had just enough time. Um... But it's a shame. I really did want to be one of the elites that, that you know, one of the 10%. Um, but I can't t- have it totally blamed on me. But um, they did offer, they were like, listen, if you if you want to book tonight for another room, because of what happened, since you couldn't give the extension, we're going to give you 30% off for Ooh, your next that's room. nice. So we were like, okay, you know, we do want to come back. We want to do all the rooms. Um, so we, we signed up for the next one we're doing is an Arizona shootout, which is like a medium difficulty, um, old West saloon style, um, very puzzle heavy. They said lots of puzzles that people like in that one. Um, and that's the one we're going to go to next. Um, it's great. I, I eight thumbs up. It is so much fun. Impressive. Um, the videos are great, great atmosphere. Um, you feel like it's like the setting is just so immersive, um, you're very uh, focused. It, it feels very empowering when you when you solve that puzzle that you didn't know how to solve. And then to top it all off, um, just the the technical aspect of these rooms, mm-hmm. which a lot, I, a lot of production value. There is, and actually, crazy part is, I was talking to the owner of uh, Escapeology in Garwood, and she, her, and her husband, and the two friends of theirs wanted to get into an endeavor and you know apparently like the 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 one woman her daughter had gone to an escape room in new york and loved it 
And she, and she was like, yeah, it's a shame there's nothing like that around here. And the light bulb went off and they were like, we should do something. And they took some research and time and they found Escapeology. Like, you know, it's a franchise, so you can buy your own little piece of it and, you know, make your own. And apparently Escapeology, as, a, as the corporate, gives them, like, they create the narratives and the videos and the, and the puzzle concepts. But it's all in like a source book. Like the rooms and the actual props and the actual building of the rooms is left to the franchisers. Interesting. So everything that I'm seeing is their build of these rooms. So if I go to another escapology, the puzzles might be slightly different and the rooms might be slightly set up a different way, even though it might be the same game. Um, And I thought that was really fascinating, especially because it was super impressive. I was like, you guys built all this? Like, this is incredible. That's crazy. Um, In the code, I will say, like, just to give you an idea of, like, what I mean by high tech, something that, like, you you know exists and you know the technology is out there, but you just never encountered it before. And when you do, it just, like, it was just so fucking cool. Um, In the code, small spoiler alert, there's a vent. And they tell you, each game, there's general rules that they always have. You have to put all your belongings, like cell phones and crap in a basket, Mm -hmm. um, you know, above a certain area. They'd never leave anything up there, so don't even bother searching up that high. Don't move big furniture. Like, those are the basic rules. But each individual game might have, like, certain rules that apply just to that game. And one rule of this game was they were like, look, we know there's a vent here. Yes, it's going to open. Yes, you will open it, but there's a way to do it. Don't try to force it open. <laughs> and we were like, okay. Um, I didn't know what they were talking about until, we, once again, small spoiler, when we got to the second room of this dorm room, um, there we found a computer and by it was a CD literally called Open the Vents. And inside was a CD and a key card. And the key card said, open the vents. So we said, this must be it. So we walked over to the vent and we're like, does it slide on the top? Or as we as we graced over the middle of it, LED lights lit up and the mechanical thing just and opened right in front of us. And it was <laughs> so freaking cool. I was like, man, like I know that technology is out there. It's not that hard. But the fact that it happened that way, like a straight up like sensor, the key card and the and the the sound it made was like and i was just like oh it was just so satisfying that's cool um yeah so i i have to say like i i had a lot of fun um i hope you come with us next time i hope so too david um it was great (laughs) that rounds it out man yeah that's our that's our cast for the month yeah um look forward to next month when When i've got a crap ton of battle bond crap ton of battle bond Maybe we'll get some more information from Stream of Many Eyes. Who yeah, knows? global series. Global series. Yeah, we'll see what's up. All kinds of things. Enjoy. Have, Have a great month. That's right. And congratulations to all you graduates out there. Yeah. Yeah. Go we'll play some summer magic. <laughs> or D&D. Or board games. We like all of those things. Bye-bye. Bye. If you liked this episode of You Shall Not Pass Go, please subscribe. Our episodes are monthly, and you can find this and many more podcasts on geekade.com. If you'd like to share your opinions about the topics of the episode, or you just want to say hi, email us at ysmpgcast at gmail.com. 